Welcome to WP Tonic Live WordPress Roundtable with the experts are here for episode 70. With special guest tonight is Vaskin Hallery from 10 Up with focus tonight on JavaScript. Hopefully I said your name right. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be here. Have a good one. All right, then. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, I think we start with, or as always, with Sally. Would you like to introduce yourself, Sally? Sure. My name is Sally Getch. Rhymes with Getch, not spelled like it sounds. Uh, and I am the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California, and the owner of WP Fangirl Consulting. I'd um, like to um, introduce our guest, who's the chief engineer at 10 Up. Vasky, like to introduce yourself as well? Sure. Yep. As uh, Jonathan mentioned, I'm the uh, VP of Engineering over at 10UP. So I uh, have the pleasure of working with uh, somewhere between 70 and 80 uh, of the, the, the greatest WordPress engineers on earth, as I like to say. And uh, we, we span the gamut from systems level WordPress integrations all the way through front end design and, and consulting around that level. So excited um, to be here, excited to talk about JavaScript. Couldn't be a better day to talk about it with all the excitement in the community around Calypso, so. All right, um, yes, right. Um, we, we've got a new um, panel guest, um, Kim Schiffler. Have oh, I pronounced your second, second name correctly? Oh, no, Kim is silent. Silent, sound silent. Check. Didn't do your sound check, Kim. I'll go, um, do your sound, Kim. Um, we'll go on to John. Would you like to introduce yourself, John? Sure thing. My name's John Locke, and uh, my business is Lockdown Design. I'm an independent web developer out of Sacramento, California. Oh, great. Um, so um, maybe you could um, introduce the the, um, the news today a bit, John. So what was the um, development that occurred today, John? Um, well, today the WordPress.com... Um, they basically uh, launched Calypso, and I'm sure uh, Vaskin uh, has a lot more of the details about it. I just glanced at it like right before I came on. Um, I know that that's part of Jetpack, and it's part of their um, eventual move toward more JavaScript development. All right, and um, like to um, comment about about it, Vaskin, because you're you're the JavaScript king, so. Would you like to say something about these developments this morning? Sure. I think uh, so. So, from what I understand, it seems that uh, WordPress.com has moved their admin dashboard over into a uh, React and Node-powered interface that that runs JavaScript on both the server and the client side to to power what they see as a faster, lighter, cleaner single-page application type dashboard experience for folks running on the WordPress.com infrastructure. So it's a, it's a great step forward in terms of uh, use, use of the REST API. The, the dashboard interface simply talks to the new WordPress REST API and makes all the updates, changes, pulls in lists of posts and so on dynamically through JavaScript. Uh, and so really just leverages that API. I think it's great that... Um, as Matt Mullenweg put it in a post that just recently came out, it's it's a very disruptive thing that's just happened. It it's going to open a can of worms, and I think that you know that's something automatic is is excited, interesting, interested in doing here, and so it represents a major split, um, just like you know templating kind of 
represents a split from the presentation layer and the database layer. Uh, this represents a split between the presentation layer and the database layer of even the administrative side of WordPress. So the potential to customize the administrative dashboard uh, really by building it from scratch to your own vision is something that is, is possible as of today and is something that, that Automatic has taken a, a strong step towards supporting by, by doing it themselves. All right, so um, was you surprised that they decided to do this, that um, obviously 10 up, you know, you're very, um, trying to find the right word in here, very linked to the core of WordPress and its development, so, but was, was you a little bit surprised that it happened at this stage, or was it well known that they were going to do this? So I definitely was not aware. I would say impressed was, was the initial reaction that I had. I think it, it speaks volumes that they've clearly been working alongside the development of the REST API and, and in support of the REST API throughout this process. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put this level of development effort into it so that they could launch nearly simultaneously with the REST API coming into core. So I think from that perspective, what it really showed me today is they're, they're ready to take on the challenge of what it means for WordPress to be a CMS with maybe very separate presentation layers, maybe presentation layers that exist across devices or on completely separate services via OAuth and, and similar authentication techniques. And, and I think that it really speaks to, to them recognizing that the next step forward beyond that 25% number is is to make WordPress play nicely in the parts of the ecosystem that you know hitherto have been an issue. So the enterprise and, and any sort of web service that can consume JSON, that can issue OAuth tokens, uh, this really brings WordPress into a place where it can, can play very nicely with those offerings. And I think it's, it's a solid, uh, you know, well thought out next step forward. I'm, I'm impressed, like I said, to see them taking it on so early in the game. Oh, that's great news. Um, I just want to go on to one of the subjects, um, and I added, um, I'm notorious um, for adding um, additional topics to our round, um, round table, Vaskin. So um, it just goes with the territory. My other panelists are quite used to it now. Drives them crazy, though. Um, so um, I just want to talk about um, one of the original, um, the presentation with Catherine Reeve. Um, JavaScript traps and how to avoid them. Um, in my experience, um, Vaskin, some of my, some of the problems that I've been called into to deal with with sites that have been developed, a lot of the time, always around JavaScript. Um, have you got any kind of tips? And um, obviously, in some way, your presentation at uh, WordCamp Sacramento um, had some elements, um, not quite. But have you got some tips and some insights about why JavaScript's got, you know, a little bit of a bad rap when it comes to slowing sites down and problems? Yep, for sure. So I would say the... The number one reason that I see out there is is that you know you and I and probably everybody on this forum, we're all sitting in front of very shiny, nice computers with lots of cores in their processors, and we're we're running highly optimized setups because we're, we're you know writing code, got a bunch of browser windows open all the time for our day jobs, and it's very easy to fall into the trap of everybody that's consuming my content or viewing my site has this level of power behind their 
their computing system. The reality is, especially with some of the customers we see out there, their their internet connections are poor, their computers might be older and slower. The, the reasons for this can vary from um, we've we've had clients that have had a demographic targeting the New York City subway, so they're expecting their internet to drop out repeatedly throughout the experience. So JavaScript, which relies on an internet connection to be persistent for Ajax calls, for example, that fails to account for the internet temporarily going away can cause havoc with unexpected behavior. And that kind of, if you take that a step back, any time JavaScript behaves differently, it does so on the back end, right, on the client side that you don't normally see. So if you test it in your browser and everything works fine there, there's always this risk that somebody else's setup is going to be different, right? It requires that you test multiple permutations of the code across a lot of different browsers and devices, and you need to be aware of the constraints of those devices and the fact that the code has to run there rather than a server you control. All oh, right, thanks for that. Uh, what about you, John? What's your experience with dealing with JavaScript and uh, browse and you know the pain that can result? Any insights, John? Um, well, definitely. Um, I thought the uh, presentation that you were referencing uh, it was a really good primer of um, you know just basic WordPress development when it comes to JavaScript. But um, it definitely. Um, as Vascan mentioned, you have to uh, make sure that you're respecting progressive enhancement and, and realize that um, not everyone has a, uh, you know, the top-level computer. And oftentimes, you know, they're on 2G, 3G phones. <clears throat> and um, you have to make sure that not every part of your site is, like, tied into... Uh, JavaScript, you know, because it, it, it can drop out or they might have it turned off. And so, um, yeah, definitely. You have to, uh, yeah. What about you, Sally? Um, you know, one of the sort of really basic things you have to watch out for is just um, conflicts. If you've got a theme or a plugin trying to load a script that's already been loaded, you run into some problems. Um, and you sometimes uh, also will see themes um, <clears throat> from our favorite not-to-be-mentioned source uh, that, that have, you know, 10 or 15 scripts loaded on every single page, uh, you know, on top of what might be loaded by a plugin or, or, uh, or by WordPress itself. And, you know, the, 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 the more is, is, is not merrier necessarily. Yeah. I just wonder, Vasky, um, you know, you get these plug, you know, you get called into these sites. You know, it's a, I work in a different, slightly um, sphere than what you do. Um, I get called in and you've got a dog slow website and you've got all these JavaScript calls and they're all in the header and you try and move some of them down in the footer and you move some and when you try and move too many, the site won't load properly. Is it just? I'm just. What's what? Why do you think it's still a bit pro pragmatic? Is there a kind of? Could there be some technology solutions, or is it bad coding or bad just general bad coding practice? Got any insights? 
Yeah, I think that a large portion of that problem, and, and you might be surprised how similar what you just described is to our, our workflow on a lot of the sites that we deal with. And, and it's not just code we inherit, right? It's, it's code that on an ongoing basis, there's this tension between the marketing team that wants to get their ads loaded as soon as possible and the fact that as you wait for that, that JavaScript to load those ads, it's interrupting other aspects of the page. And we as engineers might want it to load as late as possible or not interrupt the rest of the page load. So those tensions are definitely there. At the end of the day, it, it becomes more of a client solution than a technical solution for us. People tend to drop as many scripts as they want. New analytics tool comes out. It's even more real-time than the last real-time tool. And the graphs have seven colors instead of five, so it's, it's far, far better for all of us. So we jump to that, and, and you know, I see a lot of editorial teams adopt a lot of things you know, before they realize that, that these things aren't very useful, right? Deprovisioning those scripts is a heck of a lot harder than having somebody add them the first time. So just some cleanup and some question and answer with the customer around the lines of why is this thing still in the header? Why do you need it to load? Are, is anybody looking at this metrics tool anymore? Is anybody using this analytics? And, and a lot of times it's just manual cleanup, right? If we can get that number of scripts from 10 down to 5 and we haven't messed with their business goals, then success. If, if they insist on keeping all 10 of them, then we have to make very clear through network traces, that kind of thing, you know, Chrome or whatever, developer tools, that, hey, this, this script is sitting there for two seconds. Or, you know, it's interrupting Google's ability to say your page is done loading, so it's causing your Google load time to look far longer than it actually is. And, and those arguments can be compelling or they can fall on deaf ears. Yeah, I think... Um Let's go on to one of the other presentations because um, Luke um, Prinsine, um, I, I think I'm... What about Sally? Good, you're going to put me right about how I'm pronouncing that, Paul uh, I'd have to. I'd have to go back and, uh, and go look at it again. Oh, I'm notorious for Linsky. What, what, what was the presentation, Jonathan? Uh, all um, you have to do is study a couple of languages and you'll get much better at it. Will I? I can't even speak English, dear. Uh, Robert... <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but JavaScript. almost all languages, except probably French, have clearer pronunciation rules than English does. All right. Um, the JavaScript theme business in the front, WordPress mm. in the back. Um, I'm just going to say something, uh, Baskin. Um, I kind of talked to other developers that like um, kind of utilize Drupal and they utilize Expression Engine. And, and I meet the old poor soul that's trying to struggle with Joomla. Uh, um, and uh, um, uh, they, they constantly come out, oh, WordPress, spaghetti code, um, mixes style with logic. Um, Does. And, um, and this presentation was about some practical, maybe some practical solutions about using JavaScript libraries and using the Angular or a couple of the other really popular ones and maybe some solutions. And I don't know if you had time to look at the, at the presentation. I thought it was a really interesting and nice one. And um, I just wonder what you've got any views about that because I thought you were the right guy to ask, really. Yeah, I think that's that's one of those exciting possibilities that I think the automatic Calypso uh, launch today sort of speaks to. 
we've we've seen a lot of requests come in from other platforms, be it workflow tools or uh, you know essentially things that don't do a CMS well, but but could benefit from having a CMS or a presentation layer associated with them. And what they see in the JSON REST API is truly a separation of the content management, the 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 term data, the metadata, the the addition of term metadata, right? And and the sort of CMS growing as a place to generate and store content, but also the possibilities of a, a truly normalized JavaScript API, meaning that they can get that that presentation layer into the hands of a lot more developers. Because while we come from a PHP predominant community where most of us started writing PHP plugins and added some JavaScript to them, there's a whole world of JavaScript engineers out there who are familiar with this language because they use it in commercial workflow tools that enable JavaScript layer customization or uh, even email tools I've seen and, and sort of corporate organization tools use JavaScript. It's a language that's well known outside of the WordPress community. So this integration with a with a normalized REST API gives those engineers the ability to to communicate with WordPress in a way that perhaps before they might have said, well, I don't really want to dive into PHP or I've kind of heard that it's a hodgepodge of spaghetti code. So this gives them a clean interface to work with and, and the sort of data that they expect from all other applications in the cloud or on their local servers or wherever they might be. So it really does, from a business perspective, it, it explodes the number of people who can consume and update WordPress data without necessarily being in WordPress. Yeah, and um, to follow through, uh, would I be correct in saying that if that, um, and what happened this morning seems to be um, a direction that it's definitely going to, but does this have also um, uh, consequences about making Word, the integration of WordPress with a mobile application a more sim, not a simple process, but more practical? I think it does. I think that anytime you have sort of normalized data out there, it, it makes that process easier. The reason I hesitate is mobile app development is a, is a world that I see being pushed in, in various disparate directions by some large companies that have very closed source philosophies. And I don't know, you know, how long a world of being able to consume an open JSON API is a reality in, in Apple or Google's mind. But Beyond that concern, I would say that, that it's definitely something that in the short term will, will enhance and ease development. I would just be wary for that sort of the giants control the infrastructure aspect of it. Um, Sally, um, have you had some conversations with clients where they kind of, you know, look at WordPress, but then they're also looking at a mobile application for either iPhone or iPhone and Android, then they want to utilize what's what they've paid for on WordPress, and they're a bit disappointed when you give them some prices. Um, well, I don't. First, I don't do app development. Um, second, none of my clients has so far expressed an interest in such a thing. Uh, in fact, there was there's a company called BizApps or something like that, that that was trying to sell me this sort of reseller package for, you know, create an app using our toolkit sort of thing, which looked like, you know, it might be an interesting add-on for some people if they could justify it. But um, 
you know, if, if what you're building is basically a website versus an app with a specific purpose, I'm not sure how much advantage you're going to have in having an app versus a, a decent responsive site because how many people are going to go out there and download your app unless you're big enough to be pushing it for a, a whole to a whole lot of, of people, whereas everybody can can find your website. Um, but I do think the interesting thing about the API and uh, is that you know as Vaskin was saying, you know. It's never been possible to be just a front-end developer in WordPress because you have to you have to know PHP. Um, you don't actually happen to know JavaScript, which I pretty much don't. Uh, but uh, you have to know PHP to, to to build a theme, and that's different from other uh, content management systems where it, it, they ha they have a lot more separation between your your content and your display and and your function. All right. What about you, John? Got any experience about, you know, people kind of have a website and then say, oh, we want an app. And, you, you know, you say you're responsive, but they say, oh, I want an app. I want native code. Do you, do you have those conversations? And do you think what's happened today in a direct way will affect maybe that conversation? Well, um, even though uh, the clients that I generally run across are smaller in scale than the ones that Vaskin uh, runs across, I actually have had a lot of conversations like that recently. Yeah. Um, I had a client where I built an internal tool, and it was only for like their employees. But um, talking to the employees, one of the first things they asked are, does that have an app? Um, because... To them, that was the most convenient way to um, access the site. But what they were looking for wasn't really necessarily an app. It was the ability to have full functionality on their phone um, and use uh, the site on their phone. So I think for a lot of smaller clients, um, you know, a good responsive site that has full functionality on their phone is enough. But I think as you move uh, up the chain to larger clients, uh, having an app uh, makes more sense, and especially if you're pushing uh, things out to uh, a mass audience. And in that case, I think you know having the REST API and having a separation of the presentation is going to make a lot more sense. And the presentation that you were referencing, Jonathan, uh, uh, the guy was talking about, he basically gave a breakdown of the uh, model view controller yeah. uh, breakdown and, and how WordPress uses a backbone and then uh, handlebars to do templating. But as Vasken mentioned, w what this is going to do with the REST API is it is going to bring a lot more people in because they will be able to use different JavaScript frameworks with WordPress and use a language that they're familiar with and that's intriguing to them. And I think that is going to open up a lot more development in the WordPress ecosystem. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, that were my own views. Um, so, um, back screen, um, backbone, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's one of the great things about JavaScript at the present moment and one of the drawbacks there's a lot of libraries and there's a lot of new ones. Um, um, and there's a lot of tools and um, are, you know, Backbone, Angular. Are there any particular of these libraries that you particular 
the field work that you like and you think, you know, what's your view about that? Yeah, I, I think I share mostly your overall skepticism of the of the number of, of tools that are introduced into the ecosystem on a regular basis. And regardless of their quality, how effective they can be given that we're not sure whether they'll be maintained or become the de facto standard or disappear in six months. So I think that for the most part, we've tended to relegate those libraries to one-off projects or an engineer's hobby project when they might have free time and, and decide to expand their skill set a little bit. So it's not it's not so much that we've centralized on React or on Backbone or you know something like that for for a JavaScript standard. We we've used a few of these different libraries and frameworks before. Our director of web engineering, Taylor Lovett, has a uh, underscore backbone theme that, you know, implements a basic collection to to retrieve the data and update it. So we've we've kind of dabbled in it, but I don't think that it's something beyond a few particular implementations where we specifically engineered something to meet a client's needs. We haven't made a decision across the board uh, that we've centralized on a certain library, like we would with jQuery, for example. Right, so you know, most most of the trouble that I come across is around jQuery, um, um, and I, I actually I love jQuery, and I you know I, I've got to quickly tell you a bit, little bit about my background. Um, I got into it the normal ways hobby, and then I got into ActionScript with Flash, and um, I did a bit of JavaScript. I bought one of those big walks rocks books those red books and um, the early days where there weren't libraries and it was a it was a nightmare to get anything work with a dom on different browser doms um, object models um, it was just a freaking nightmare um, and then you, I never thought JavaScript would come back so strong with libraries but so I love JavaScript but it just seems to just it just seems to get into a mess sometimes so um, is it now you got you got jQuery already inbuilt into WordPress? You got any insight? Is is it is it just kind of laziness, or are there real reasons why so many plugins and utilize external jQuery libraries? You got any insights? So I think truly, truly external jQuery uh, libraries that are being brought in are. A combination of engineers simply just not understanding why some of the features that they're trying to preserve from older versions are no longer available or not because, again, jQuery does tend to create breaking updates. Eventually, you have to update your code. And one of the nice things about a WordPress plugin is it can sit there for three or four years, and thanks to the care and, and feeding that WordPress puts into backwards compatibility, the PHP will probably continue to work through several iterations of new versions. But the minute a breaking version of jQuery comes out that, for example, drops the .live method, any code that utilizes that method is going to stop working. The reality is that code probably shouldn't be there and should have been updated years ago, but it's not going to break until you know the version of jQuery breaks it. So be because of that, I think you see a lot of folks that 
that are willing to just solve that quickly by saying, well, fine, if WordPress upgraded this version of jQuery, it doesn't work anymore, and I've got five people in my forums that are you know, badgering me for a solution, I'm just going to include my own version of jQuery. Now you have the version conflicts and other conflicts that Sally was referring to. You have you know, all sorts of other issues that are going to crop up because people are using old and, and non-performant code. And, and really, I think it, it speaks to the folks not recognizing the, the proliferation of devices that this thing is going to run on and, and realizing that the reason that there's a lot of iteration and change in the JavaScript world is to improve performance and to, to make these shortcut methods more efficient because ultimately that's what jQuery is. It's, it's a shortcut for us as, as engineers and developers to, to make our lives easier and to solve the complexities and quirks of the DOM like you mentioned. So doing that without a drop-off in performance is a, is a constant struggle and a constant iteration. So I think, I think that's a reason you tend to see a lot of these scripts appear there as individual includes. And, and frankly, I think it's just uh, either a lack of understanding or a lack of time to do proper maintenance on the JavaScript code to, to bring it up to date with those libraries. Yeah, it's it's most it's unfortunate situation, really, because I think it gives WordPress a bit of a bad rap, doesn't it? Yeah, because it creates some some pretty difficult to troubleshoot issues, and again, it's that that sort of it has to be running in a particular browser, and also there has to be the certain two plugins installed, you know, in coordination on the same site, and that causes some sort of namespace conflict, and then all of a sudden the code begins, not not breaking in a way that you'd expect, but in some quirky way because the variable is changing halfway through it. So these are not easy to diagnose problems; they're the kind of problems that people eventually throw their hands up and say, I can't get this to work. And, you know, once one part of the JavaScript breaks, then then you're liable to have other parts of it break as well. So, you, know what, you know what I do? I'll give it to my chief engineer. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it, just, there you go. it just really It just saves me a lot by hair, actually. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, um, so um, what about you, John? So, you know, how... How, what's, how do you, you know, when you're making a custom theme or you're brought in to customize a theme and there's some of these conflicts and that, how how do you deal with it and how do you deal with the conversation you have to have with the client? Um, yeah, most of, most of the time, I mean, and, and I'm not like an elite JavaScript developer. I'll never claim that. I mean, and, and most of the stuff I do is with either vanilla JavaScript or jQuery. But it, that is the thing that I run into most of the time is either a conflict um, with jQuery versions, and diagnosing that is is you know finding where there's conflict is is usually the first step in, and making sure um, you know, just making sure that everything is like playing nice with each other is is basically what I have to do with the clients. I mean, it's not really like a conversation I usually have to have. Um, that's usually something that I take care of on my end. So, you know. Um, yeah. Um, what about you, Sally? What's what's you know what's your experience with dealing with these type of problems, and how do you deal with the you know the client's frustration and that? Um, well, the client's frustration is usually it doesn't work. That, that you know they they have no idea where it's coming from, and they just want somebody to find it and fix it. And they may have you know I got asked to help out on someone's e-commerce site and there were 
you know, in this in this case, it, it hasn't so far been script conflicts. Although I'm amazed, given the number of scripts that are being loaded, uh, but uh, there were some things that the theme was messing up that were overriding the WooCommerce settings that were, you know, and sometimes you just kind of have to go and and dig. So yeah, you you sometimes have to explain. It can take a while to diagnose this stuff. It's it's not always obvious where it's coming from, and sometimes. It's not that easy to, to fix. I mean, you, you know, my um, preference with this particular site is, for God's sake, kill it and, you know, it, it, kill the theme and, and start over again with something that's actually been adequately coded because I just don't think there's any salvaging some of these themes. Um, yeah, thanks. for that, that. That's great words, Sally. Um, how's the cat? I see, I see a tail with a, in the picture somewhere. Oh yes, he's a bit of a beast, isn't he? Um, uh, or she? She. Uh, she all right, thank you. Um, so, um, Baskin, is, is there is there no practical steps that might make this situation a little bit manageable, or is, or is it just you know, you know, you get great flexibility and power from WordPress, but there's there's going to be some drawbacks or is there some practical ways that this situation could be improved? Because I'm getting a little bit frustrated with this myself. So I think that, um, and I've, I've touched on this a little bit at, at some previous talks that I've given, I think that it's, it's a two-parter, right? One is I think the WordPress community as a whole needs to start holding itself to the same standards for JavaScript code that goes into publicly available plugins as they do for PHP. Right, and that that means as we start to see JavaScript code that that doesn't have proper closures, for example, and therefore is creating variables in a global namespace. A lot of these JavaScript ta uh, traps that that you mentioned from that that talk you alluded to, those are those are really the common problems that we see that are that are causing third-party distributed plugins not to work with one another. So. These namespace conflicts, the global variable conflicts, these can all be avoided with proper coding practice. If you look at PHP standards for WordPress, they're well fleshed out. They're mm -hmm. mostly agreed upon. Um, the code standards we have on the 10-up site are, are a small variation from, from what the WordPress standards are. They're more about process and workflow enhancement than they are about changing those standards. And so what we don't see in the community is that same amount of documentation, amount of standardization around JavaScript. There's maybe two or three pages that essentially echo JavaScript and jQuery best practices and, and reiterate that that's how WordPress does things. So a lot of, a lot of the, the community sort of acceptance of these plugins and, and I think what we all do, which is dig in and solve the problems like John said that, that are confronting our client today and, and, and solve those namespace conflicts for the plugins that we're running into, but it's a lot harder to hold the plugin authors accountable and follow up with them and make sure that they're they're making these improvements. So I think that you know part of it is is we really need to as a community, I don't want to say less accepting of of bad JavaScript, but I think we need to be proactive in addressing it and, and helping others correct it when it occurs in their plugins. And oh, great. That's fantastic. I just want to introduce David into the conversation. Um, he's one of our great panel members. So, Dave, um, so have you been kind of, you know, apart from the custom work that you do, let's say you're brought into a project and they've got some of these 
JavaScript library conflicts and it's just a mess. How do you deal with it and how do you deal with the kind of awkward conversation you might have to have with a client? Oh, no sound. You got no sound, Dave? Yeah, no sound. Well, we'll get back to him. <laughs> Does Jim about... have sound yet? No sound, Dave? No, no sound, Dave. All right. Hey, here, come back. Here, come back. Um, this is um, Google Hangouts for you. Uh, um, so, you know, it was one of my um, ones that I threw in um, at the last minute that Sally loves. Uh, um, so, term mate, mater. Um, I've struggled with that. Maybe John, um, you know, it's taken almost six years for it to become, um, you know, the next update of WordPress. What yeah. benefits do you think it will, and why is it? Do you think it's taken six years? Well, um, I, I, I think the uh, the core team's doing a good job with going back and getting some of these old tickets. Um, you know, in the last version, they changed the, uh, the conflicting slugs for uh, categories and uh, posts. But I think the term uh, meta, I think this is uh, kind of underplayed in this version. And um, th the way I understand it, basically, is, you know, normally we're able to manipulate posts and custom post types uh, through a lot of metadata. But with taxonomies, we haven't had that ability uh, thus far at the same degree. And uh, we're going to be able to do that now with taxonomies uh, at the same level that we do posts. And I think that's uh, going to allow us to have a lot more versatility in how we uh, present um, stuff in our themes. So. Oh, I'll just have another go, David. You <laughs> oh, he's here. Um, so, Dave, um, you can hear me now. Yeah, you're great. Okay. Yeah, yeah, clear to bell. Um, so we were discussing, you know, um, term meta, you know, coming part of core. Do you think you can give a practical example or some insights how this new functionality is going to make a difference to a developer? <laughs> I love. I'm just jumping. I'm just getting tossed right into it. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I actually haven't given much thought for how I'm going to be making use of it, so um, that probably was not the question to jump me in on. That's fine. I'll put you in. Um, I apologize, <laughs> David, but it goes with the territory. Yes. Well, the, the obvious example is um, if you've ever needed a featured image for a category or for a custom taxonomy, this has, uh, you know, you can get plugins that do this, and they all kind of do it in a sort of kludgy way to work around. And, and yet, you know, it's fairly often that you might want to show a featured image for, for a category or a taxonomy that, you know, WooCommerce uses uh, ca as category images for its product categories, for instance. Um, and having a standardized way to do that and, and having it built in will make it easier. And it's taken a long time, partly because first they had to do that splitting of the, you know, because it used to be that it a term would be shared. If you had both a category and a tag with the same name, they would just use the, the, the one term. And they had to f first split those out and then, you know, kind of make that happen without breaking everything. And, and then, you know, before they could, 
get to the point of, of doing this with it. And, uh, you know, given the number of things that have been done with post-meta, I, I would think there are probably a lot of applications for term meta that we haven't seen yet or that might get pulled out of the options table or the, the post-meta table or, or wherever else they've been kind of lurking as, as people try to make them happen. Oh, thanks, Sally. What about you, Vaskin? Um, what do you think the benefits of this are going to be? Uh, are there performance benefits? Is it going to save time, can provide more options? What, what, why should developers be excited about this? So I think it, it could have the potential to significantly improve performance on some of these solutions, like Sally said, that are based on, on kind of kludgy workarounds or... You know, it, it forces the developer of that plugin to make a choice of do I want to drop this in the options table? Do I want to make a custom post type and hide it and store my options there? Or some other weird workaround for for enhancing out the, the terms to be able to have things like meta attached to them. So this standardizes that. I think that the, the other concern that we'd have performance-wise is obviously this adds additional meta to a thing which in and of itself is sort of meta to begin with. So I don't want to call it meta inception, but there's sort of this level of as we get deeper and deeper into these queries, they're going to be confusing queries to our databases, right? So where we've started to see things like the, the term splitting, that automated update process actually broke a lot of our larger site builds because there was so much meta there that the updates simply timed out, right, in large production databases. and. There's several track tickets in around fixing that and improving that, and I think those fixes are going to go into what eventually releases and 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 will ensure that that meta or that term that those terms are split prior to term meta being enabled on them. So even as they try to roll out this this process of updating things, we're starting to see how it's pushing the envelope of database scalability for WordPress, and it's going to require some I think for larger sites some ingenious solutions to work around just the proliferation of data that we're looking at from the CMS, not just having metadata about the data, but having metadata about the metadata about the data. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And especially um, when you were saying that um, WooCommerce came to mind, because <laughs> I think that's one very common solution that this problem might rear its head quite rapidly, mightn't it? What do you think? Definitely, definitely. Although I think that if the APIs are designed intelligently, and I imagine that they are in core, then, again, because WooCommerce is now part of the automatic family, it, it gives them a lot of power to transform that code and use things like term meta, right, which if if we run into a term meta scaling problem, at least that's a common problem, right? We We ran into that on four or five different sites, and a few other engineers at other sites in, in the San Francisco area ran into it. We were all solving the same problem. So the unified approach that term meta gives us means that the scalability problems we'll be solving are all the same type of problem rather oh. than now I have WP options bloat versus now I have post meta bloat depending on how I chose to store that data because there wasn't a true data store for that type of data. Oh, thanks for that. That was great. Um, David, um, we discussed the kind of announcement this morning from Automatic about JavaScript. I don't know if you're aware of the announcement. If you are, was yeah, you surprised? A, Got any I comments did, about it? Um, yeah, I did take a look at uh, Nat's blog post uh, earlier today. And um, 
I mean, I suppose it's, I, I, I would say it's a prize just kind of like springing it out there. I'm sure there are people who, you know, probably were already aware of it. Um, but at the same time, it kind of seems like a lot of things that WordPress core already does. Maybe just, um, you know, without, without having reviewed it, my guess is that there's probably more a focus on the future, less a focus on maintaining the past. Uh, just, I mean, because there's already a fair amount of the admin that runs uh, JavaScript anyway. Yeah. Like, it's already, there's already a lot of uh, node being used. They, you know, clearly pulled people from from teams that were already doing this internally with the current WordPress to build out this new system. Um, I'm sure it'll make a lot of people happy, uh, and I'm sure it's probably got a lot of people already nervous. I've already seen plenty of people today going, well, it looks like I need to start brushing up on my uh, JavaScript skills, which, frankly, they should have been doing for the past years anyway with a lot of the new features in the WordPress, but um, maybe that'll get people to kick in the butt to uh, <laughs> get on that. Yeah, are there any other particular libraries? Because we had a quick discussion, of, you know, you know, one of the strengths of JavaScript is it's a very active community, a lot of active tools, a lot of libraries, but that's also the drawback. There's a lot of new libraries, a lot of new tools, a lot of stuff going on. Um, are there any um, particular ones that you're attracted to that you found you could rely on, or do you just um, use one for every, you know, specifically for the project you're working on? Well, I mean, you know, each one has their own place, and, and that's kind of the problem, or that's the problem that I'm seeing is that each one has its own place, but let's say someone is trying to figure out where to get started, that's probably the hardest place I'm seeing. You know, which one do I start with? There's so many, and if I talk to so-and-so, they're like, oh, you know, Ember all the way, and then I talk to this other person, they're like, no, screw Ember, it's all Angular. And then, you know, this other person's like, all React, and... And, and you hear so many conflicting opinions. Well, this one's only good for this thing. This one's good for this thing if you use it in conjunction with, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I have not yet seen anyone give a really great, well, let's say, getting started workflow. Like, a, hey, you want to get started. Which one of these should you be looking at first, depending on what task you want to do? Um, that said, the one that probably uh, interests and excites me the most uh, is React, just because... It's the one that I'm seeing, maybe maybe they're just more vocal or something, but it's the one I'm seeing the community um, embrace the most. It's probably the one that I'm seeing becoming most popular since like, jQuery. Because um, a lot of the other ones are, are very popular, but that's the one that you know seem, feels the most WordPress to me, where everyone touts how it's just open source project, because apparently the other ones aren't open source too, even though they are, um, that, that can do all of this and this and that. And, that's great. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Um, Baskin, you know, um, obviously, if you got like you got intermediate developer that approaches you for some mem mentorship or advice, and they were asking you, they wanted to get into JavaScript more than jQuery. Which of these libraries, or what kind of advice would you give such an individual? Um, so I, I found that uh, reading the uh, Douglas Crockford uh, Introduction to JavaScript, I think is the title of the book, or, or uh, Principles of JavaScript, it's freely available on the web, and it's a very opinionated guide to JavaScript. It's you know, a 20-year-old document at this point, and it, uh, it really reflects Douglas Crockford's you know, very opinionated take on the language that he helped create. So I think what it does is it really helps you understand 
what is consistent about JavaScript, where it has quirks, what it means to actually be dealing with the root JavaScript language versus a lot of the libraries and extensions. And it, it both helps you understand what's happening behind the scenes in those libraries and gain an appreciation for how those libraries can help, right? Because a lot of, like I said earlier, a lot of what jQuery does is solves the problems that, that exist because Internet Explorer 8 implements JavaScript differently than Chrome, differently than this week's version of Firefox, right? So it's, it's kind of difficult to, to write code for 20 different browsers at a time and, and a library that helps you bring that down to a single set of browsers and, and sort of traps and looks for those quirks and, and handles them as necessary becomes a really, really nice tool. Without that knowledge of why those quirks are there or what jQuery is doing, it becomes a less powerful tool because you can do some pretty darn destructive stuff using jQuery, selecting every element in the DOM, binding a function to it, and you know, before you know it, the whole site goes down because somebody adds five widgets to the page. So it's, it's definitely a very powerful tool, but I recommend that people take a look at sort of where the language is coming from and understand that... You know, uh, it, it is a language that is the same, but the way it's implemented across these browsers is very different, and and there is a lot less, uh, you know, consistency across the JavaScript runtime than you might think. I, I think that's a great insight myself. You know, when I when I was coding with ActionScript and I got into JavaScript and I was making some applications, it was the, the crux of the problem was the DOM structures of the different browsers and how you dealt with that, and it was a nightmare until, and it was one of the reasons why JavaScript looked like it was going to die out, was the amount of, it just didn't work effectively with different DOM structures, and then you, then suddenly, um, I think, was it was it jQuery was the first kind of library that really became popular, that really kind of solved, to some extent, that problem, am I correct about that, asking? Yeah, there were some previous attempts. I think uh, Prototype was one, and then there's, um, I want to say, MooTools or something like yeah, that was Mootool. one. That Yeah. Um, so the, the, obviously the need was recognized in the community, and I think jQuery was kind of the first one that had that, that real impetus behind it to, to get it off the ground and get the adoption it needed. So um, I think what you said about, you know, I think if you don't understand that fundamental problem which these libraries came about to solve you, you know you're missing something but then if you go over there is there uh, what well, I'm trying I'm trying probably asking you a question which you can't or not prepared to answer is there any particular one of these libraries that you know you got that person and they've done that little bit of reading you would kind of push and you know, maybe look at that first library I would say from a front-end perspective, I, I'm partial to Backbones from the limited experience I've had with it and, and what I've seen. It, it definitely follows that MVC structure, and if you're familiar with that or you're coming from a more traditional PHP background and, and entering into WordPress from that side, it's it's kind of a, a good you know an intro. But other than that, I would say really my, my personal take on it is don't, be enamored by all these libraries. None of them are magic, right? I think uh, a lot of what I try to teach people is 
go and look up what the jQuery function does, right? The, the actual selector that, that goes out there and tries to figure out what DOM element you've passed it. It's, it's going through a lot of different ways to shortcut itself and figure out that this is a class or this is an ID or whatever it's looking for. But at the end of the day, it's, it's falling back on a lot of JavaScript methods, right? It's just trying a lot of them in successive order to see if they exist, if the browser is capable of them, if they work the way we'd expect them to work, if there's another method on that browser that's actually faster. But it's really just hacking together 45 different approaches to, to finding a DOM element, right? And, and when people see that, it's, it sort of breaks the mythos of, of the whole JavaScript library, and you realize why it's there, right? And, and reading the Crockford book helps too, because this is, this is a... a you know, description of the language, it's also a polemic, right? It's, it's very much an opinionated piece, and that helps understand what JavaScript is, which is really a convention for implementation of a scripting language, right? And that's where all the browser quirks come up and, and all this, this sort of infighting that you see in the community is a result of this not being a single language. It is, it is a bunch of interpreters around a single language. So um, it, I think that really getting involved in sort of demystifying these libraries is is more important than than picking the first one. I think once you realize that they're an attempt to solve a specific problem, then you can make those decisions. Like like Dave said, you know, there's fifty libraries out there and everybody says they're great for this, but not for this. And and a lot of that is because they are built very purpose built, right? And so understanding what they're doing, being able to take a quick look at how they're architected and say, yeah, this will this will work for my purpose or no, this is going to be a box that I can't fit my application into. Those skills, I think, come from understanding, you know, JavaScript, where it's coming from, and, and what these frameworks and libraries are trying to do. Yeah, um, I just want to ask, uh, thanks for that, for, uh, for asking. That was a great insight. Um, Sally, um, I kind of really frustrated with the JavaScript community because, you know, the versatility the opinion, it's great stuff, and it's a very dynamic community, but it's also, um, it's very fashion-led and very, it, to me, it has also some of the worst aspect of web of the web development community. It's very oh, gee, there, there couldn't be anybody here who's ever suffered from shiny object syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Uh, what was, all right, what's your take on that, uh, John? Um, you know, the JavaScript community is just like every other community. Um, you know, people are going to have strong opinions. And, um, you know, uh, people are going to try new things as they come along. And I think it's all about seeing what lasts and and what tools bear out as being the best for particular uh, situations. So. Yeah, thanks. What's, what's your opinion, um, David? Because it does really... I, I take what Sally said, but it, it to me, I just get the impression, David, that exactly it's extreme with JavaScript. Uh, well, um, so I'm actually thinking back to an old XKCD comic because pretty much any joke there is to be made, he's made it already. Uh, but I believe it was one recently, or well, a few years ago, that was about oh, there's you know 15 competing uh, standards for this JavaScript library. Let's uh, write one that. Um, you know, that unites them all together. And then the punchline is, great, now there are 16 competing standards for this library here. Everyone everyone has that idea, not everyone, but a lot of people have the idea of, I will do it the best. Um, 
But have you got any so, insights why there's such a proliferation of these libraries? Why, why, why it's going? And is it going to change? And is it going to settle down? I think it's one of those things. It's um, it's similar to you know how everyone has their own method of solving different problems in in WordPress itself. Is that it's kind of it's really easy to get started. You know, like you can learn enough JavaScript to build your own library. And I mean, sure, some of them will take off very well because they have funding or they have um, you know a unique marketing perspective or something. But I could not me. I should say somebody with JavaScript uh, with like you know really intense JavaScript skill can come in there and um, and create their own library and give a good use case for it and make a shiny looking website that shows it off and get people to follow them. That's not to say that these people haven't done a lot of work, but the barrier to entry is maybe lower than certain other projects they could be doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, hesitate. I don't want to belittle the work anyone's no. done without saying that it's still, you know, it is, there's not a lot of barrier there. No, I think your insight into that was very fair, um, David. Um, well, actually, we're getting close to now. My co-host is reminding <laughs> me. Um, it's just gone so quickly. Um, I, I just want to say, I, 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 I think, oh, we've got a doggy there. Oh, he's got, oh, God. Um, got two. Oh, dear. This uh, yeah, they birthed them. Um, Vasinski will want the barbecue, I think. Uh, so, uh, um, uh, well, sorry, I couldn't resist it. Um, I haven't known on the record I successfully returned a Chihuahua to its rightful owner this afternoon after it decided to. Run away from home, so not to barbecue. No, not only do I not consume dogs, but I help them find their homes. So I just want that. Okay, we'll we'll put on the record. Does not eat dogs. Yeah, Uh, uh, the eight-week, year-old, eight-week labs. All right. Um, so, Vasky, um, Vaskin, um, how do people, what's the best way for people to, um, to follow you, to mm-hmm. see your words of wisdom? And you, you've had some really good w- words of wisdom tonight. I've really enjoyed our discussion. So, how's, what's the best way for people to consume more of your knowledge? So uh, I would say follow me on Twitter at, at, at Vaskin Howry. It's just my full name. Uh, nothing fancy or complicated there. And the information there ranges from stuff that's germane to this discussion to things that aren't really germane to anything. Um, I also blog a little bit on a site called Simple Canvas, which is simplecanv.as. And then, of course, tenup.com, I occasionally publish on there. The reality is I, I focus a ton of my time and effort internally into Tenup. So another great way, and I'll always throw this pitch out there, is to, to join the Tenup team. <laughs> right. That's great news. Jake's a great guy, and you've got a great team. Um, I do admire what the work you're doing there and your contributions generally to the WordPress community. Um, Sally, what's the best way for people to follow you and um, get more of Sally? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Sally Getch, uh, and uh, I have a business blog at WPFangirl.com and a personal blog at SallyGetch.com. Thanks, Sally. It's been great. What about you, David? If they want more knowledge of David, what's the best way to stick at it? Well, uh, same with this conversation. I'll always be late to the conversation on uh, Twitter at David Laetta. So come check out my repost of memes from five years ago. Um, or, oh, okay, I'm getting cut off. Uh, yeah, just at David Laetta. No special spelling either. That's the hour. 
Thanks, Dave, for joining in. time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he loves his clocks, folks. Um, um, John, you what's see the best way? Labs. Yeah, God. <laughs> uh, John, what's the best way to get hold of you? Best way to get a hold of me is follow me on Twitter. I'm lockdown underscore, and you can also read my blog at lockdowndesign.com. Oh, thanks, folks. I, I really think it's been an interesting discussion, and I think the flow was really good, and we kept on subject, and I think we gave some insights about the world of JavaScript. Thanks, um, folks. I do have another resource, actually, oh, that, I think, that I think Vasken will like, um, which is uh, this week, um, or last week at PHP World, uh, I saw Eric Mann uh, give a presentation. Um, I think it was just called JavaScript for WordPress or something, JavaScript for PHP. Basically, it, it, was, it was JavaScript for people who are developing WordPress. Um, it was, I mean, he, he's an entertaining speaker, uh, so, you know, it won't bore you to death, like some technical talks will. Um and uh, had a few good examples, um, basically like a getting started if you already are coming from that WordPress world. Uh, they were recording them all. I'm pretty sure they're all already up at uh, PHP Architect on YouTube. Oh, thanks for that, David. Um, Baskin, I've got to say, I really enjoy, I did actually, um, I'm, I'm nowhere a top engineer. I, um, I know my limits. Um, but I really did enjoy your presentation at WordPress um, Sacramento. Uh, I thought you were dealing with quite a complicated um, technical topic, but I, I learned something from it, and I thought it was great. Did you enjoy the presentation and the weekend? I did, yes, and, and thank you for that. And yeah, it was a it was a great event, and uh, I really enjoyed the time there. I think the the discussion, you know, that. Uh, we were having a little bit earlier around, you know, the venue being a, a nice, you know, start and a, and a very wonderful place to have the event in terms of parking and and, um, you know, I think the rooms like we were discussing, uh, you know, had a very intimate feel. It was a little bit interesting for me as a as a speaker to be kind of pivoting back and forth to reach everybody in the room. But I think that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the the organization leading up to the event and how everything was handled the day of, I think that it really speaks to the quality of the folks that were organizing it and their experience around it because I've been to a lot of WordCamps where as you drive up, you don't know where you're parking, you don't know where you're going, you don't know where to get your badge. And this was, this was from the start, you know, there was a guiding path for everybody there. So I think that, I think that speaks to the quality of the organization. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And um, also to our presenters also, um, uh, on our panel, did a presentation, John, and so I didn't see yours, John, regrettably, um, but I did see Sally's, and I thought you did a fantastic job, Sally, and um, we actually talked about it when we did a um, a kind of WP special with John. Um, I really did enjoy your your presentation, Sally. Thank you. Yeah, it was I saw these slides and they looked awesome, so I can't wait to see it on uh, WordPress TV. I, I keep checking to see whether they're up yet. No, it was a very insightful presentation, you know, and I thought you did a fantastic job, Sally. Right? Well, I think that's it, folks. I think the time that see, oh, he's, he's got off there. Maybe one of the other doors has done a runner. I don't know. All right, then, folks. Hey, everyone, good sound. Everyone did a great job, except for Jonathan. He went over time, so he got an F. Everyone else got A plus. We should do a live. Uh, we should do a live in person one at uh, WordCamp US. Uh, yeah, I wish we were going next year. Yeah, next year, oh, oh, it's next, it's next year, isn't and, it? And, and by the way, Bill, how to get a hold of uh, Bill? Well, I can go to um, 
netcasting101.com, which really sucks the website right now. <laughs> or podcastershome.com. Well, Vaskin, thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. It was really for, good. For coming on. And um, I think we covered some interesting stuff, didn't we? Certainly. Certainly. It's been an interesting day in the WordPress JavaScript community. So <laughs> yeah. this was well-timed. <laughs> oh, anyway, thank you. Very good. See you later, folks. Bye.